Hello, my name is Leda and I'm the founder of Dietitian Your Way, a dietitian network empowering dietitians and nourishing communities. Today, we're speaking to Dee Bex. Dee Bex is an award-winning registered dietitian and CDCES from the Navajo Nation and is the owner of Tumbleweed Nutrition, LLC, a nutrition, nutrition education consultant company. She teaches her Native community about nutrition without judgment. Dini provides inclusive and evidence-based nutrition education for organizations which honor American Indian heritage. Dini, thanks so much for hopping on with me today. I'm very excited today to talk about your platform. Thanks so much uh, for hopping on with me today. I'm super excited to talk to you, uh, our, our listeners, um, about your platform, Tumbleweed Nutrition. So tell us a little bit about why you became a dietitian in the first place. Yeah, I, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, I'm very honored to talk about uh, myself and my own work in my own community. So um, I wanted to become a dietitian because, well, first and foremost, I like food. <laughs> and, and I actually, um, before I decided to go to Arizona State University, I actually wanted to be a chef. Um, and, uh, I found out how much chef school was, <laughs> it was, it was insane. And then I found out the hours, yeah. <laughs> I found out the hours of being a chef and I was like, never mind, never mind. I don't want to be waking up at like two in the morning to be right. like, you know, prepping everything. So, um, I, I got accepted to Arizona state university on, on a scholarship actually. And I was like, you know what, this kind of makes more sense for me and my family. And I didn't want to put that pressure on my family yeah. to kind of help with finances and stuff. So, um, that's kind of how I ended up going to school. And I was like, well, you know, nutrition is, is pretty close to food. Um, but as I got more invested in the courses, I was like, wow, this is really cool. Like food can actually make you feel better. Um, and that's kind of how I, I got started and, and that's what I've been doing for the last, I don't know, 10, 10 or 15 years. I've been working in native communities. Um, I've only been a dietitian since 2018 for the last five years. Mm -hmm. Um, but I did graduate from ASU in 2011. So there was like a long gap in between, yeah. um, because I wasn't even sure if I wanted to be a dietitian because, you know, I went through all the nutrition coursework and it was very, um, chemistry heavy, yeah. um, <laughs> definitely yeah. struggled there. Um, and it was hard for me to get into an internship and, um, but I decided, you know, it's important to have native voices at the table yep. when it comes to nutrition and dietetics, um, cause there aren't that many out there. And so I was like, you know what, I think I can do it. And so I kind of went back to school, retook courses, got my master's in public health and here I am. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I think it's so important for us to have diversity in dietetics because of course we have diverse populations that need diverse dietitians, mm -hmm. um, to help them. Um, so question though, um, I actually had the same experience. I wanted to go to culinary school and then I was like, well, yeah, the cost is not making any sense. And <laughs> I got, you know, to go here. So let's do that. Because what I, okay, so going back, I think there's a lot of dietitians who may find it hard to complete a dietetic internship or to complete an MSDI. And um, for me specifically, it was pretty difficult to kind of uh, put my head around um, paying for something that, um, 
it was it was difficult for my own family. You know, I didn't come from a background that had a lot of, you know, wealth or anything like that. So to spend $10,000 on an internship, um, it was a little bit difficult for me. Did you find within the, the gap that you had, um, were there barriers like to getting into these programs and what were they? Oh, yes. Um, I I worked really hard to become a dietitian and I'm, I'm really proud of, of the journey I've had because I, I don't feel like it was wasted time. So after after I graduated from college, I knew first shot I was not going to get into an internship because my grades were so horrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, it pretty my grades pretty much guaranteed that I would not get into an internship. So I, I thought, you know, okay, I'll go back home and I'll um, work on a res hospital, reservation hospital for a few years, get some experience, um, and and think about if I actually want to be a dietitian. Um, and, uh, and that's where I found out, you know, I think it's important for, for there to be native dietitians. Um, and I knew still my grades were not going to help me get into an internship. So I was like, okay, let me get into a master's of public health. And this was before there was the master's requirement. Yeah. Um, and so I, I got my MPH in 2017. And I was like, okay. And I graduated with a 4.0. <laughs> nice. I really made sure that I I was top of the class. So then that way, if when I did apply to an internship, I could I could kind of quote unquote prove that yeah. um, I am able to study and I am able to excel, even though my bachelor's isn't that great. I can I can do these other things. I mean, I can I'm dedicated now. Um, yeah. And always being haunted by my my poor GPA. Um, and, uh, and I still didn't get into an internship. Yeah, <laughs> I applied again. I applied again. Yeah. And, and I, I explained this all in like my personal statement. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm dedicated now. And I've, I've have the experience. And I even got my DTR as well. And I passed the DTR. So I was a DTR at the time. Still, I didn't get it. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> like, why is this so hard to get into? Um, so I was denied the first round, but there's that second round that you yeah. can, you know, start reaching out to the the program directors. And that's what I did. And that's how I got into an internship. Um, and it was the um, one of those. Um, it wasn't a fancy internship. <laughs> it was like one of those do it yourself. I forget what you call it, but you oh, like the remote your, ones. Yeah, the remote yeah. ones or you create your own hours or you, you have to reach out and coordinate your own hours nice. with all the different hospitals. So that's what I did. Um, I about those programs. How does that work? Like, what was your experience doing that? I, I actually really appreciate it because I, I was able to set up rotations in which um, I had, I was... I wanted to specialize in. So there were some things that I could do, like get tribally, get hours that focused on tribal communities. Yeah. So for example, like my community rotation, I was able to set up hours with a local nonprofit who did nutrition work. Um, and I helped them revise some of their curriculum. Um, and then it was nice that, you know, I, I could do my hours in in different locations just to see how other air other organizations worked um and so that's kind of how i i did my internship so i i that's when i finally passed the registration exam in 2018 so i graduated with my mph in 2017 um and then 
you know, the, the few yeah. months after that was that rotation or the selection period with the dicus. Um, and then I spent the year off um, or the year just doing my internship hours. And, and thankfully my, my partner was very supportive of mm-hmm. the work that I do. And he was like, well, if you know, if, if, I mean, you got to do it, if that's what you want, if you just got to go do it, you know, and yeah. we'll figure out finances later. And, and he definitely helped me with that. And, um, I took out a, a credit card <laughs> to yeah. pay for the internship. Gotta do what you gotta do, right? Yeah. Gotta do what you gotta, gotta do. That's, credit. that's how yeah. I paid for travel was with that credit card. <laughs> That's the one thing that I didn't understand. <laughs> like going through the whole process was like, you know, when you look at other professions, they have the ability to take out loans, like right, you know, school right. loans. And I was so like that. salty about that for the whole year. I was, I was, I was salty, salty about it for about years it. afterwards too. I was like, this makes no sense. And I completely forgot about that detail right until right when you said about the credit card, because yeah, I, my mother had to take out a line of credit and yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It's and and it's like, just, why? Yeah. And it, it prevents from people in my situation, um, like who are native, we definitely don't have the best resources. A lot of us don't have really great credit scores to be able to do that. And in that way, I was privileged in that I had built up my credit score um, to be able to get a pretty high, high limit credit card and, and other people, they don't just, they just don't have access to that. Um, So I feel very lucky and fortunate that things just kind of lined up the way they did. Um, But a lot of it was also just perseverance and Mm -hmm. crying on the side of the road. (laughs) (laughs) Like every other week, (laughs) just trying to make ends meet. But, you know, um, and now you're here. What I had to do. (laughs) Yeah, now I'm here. you know, founding my own business, which is very rewarding in itself. Um, and especially just, just feeling like I'm, I'm filling that gap for, for my community. Um, and definitely I'm, I'm, I, there's still a a lot of work that needs to be done, but you know, somebody has got to start it. (laughs) Yeah. So tell me a little bit about where you are now um, and how long you've had Tumbleweed Nutrition for and what do you do for Tumbleweed Nutrition? Um, Yeah, so I started Tumbleweed Nutrition LLC in 2021 when I was working for the clinic. I was an outpatient dietitian um, during the pandemic. (laughs) So and that was that was really hard. I saw a lot of pain and a lot of trauma and a lot of just really horrible stuff go on in the hospital, like, like many other dietitians. And it was even more compounded because of where I worked. It's our communities just don't have a lot of resources. And um, it was, it was just really hard to see a lot of patients um, struggle with, with, with the, the, the environment they were in plus COVID. And so it, I started up the company because I needed to keep myself grounded. You know, I was stuck behind the clinical walls and, um, and uh, I needed something that kept me connected to community. Um, And so I started the company was because I wanted to help out tribal community organizations have access to dietitians because if you want to be a dietitian and you want to work for your community, 
pretty much the only option, the way you can do that is if you work for a hospital, either as outpatient, inpatient, or even they have like a community nutrition department, but it's always working for a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no such thing as like being a dietitian um, in any other sector except the hospital on, on the reservation, maybe off the reservation, it's easier. Um, but I, I wanted, you know, to, to be back home. Um, and so I did that for five years, but the last two years that I was there, I, I needed something else to keep me grounded. And that's why I started the company was because I wanted to provide that access to dietitians for tribal communities and and tribal organizations. If they want to work with a dietitian, typically they go to a, well, all the time, I shouldn't say typically all the time they go to the clinic and ask for a dietitian to do certain programmatic things like presentations or cooking classes Mm -hmm. or food demos. And the dietitians at the hospital are already overworked and understaffed and they don't have bandwidth to do presentations. And to create because that, you know, it's easy, you know, doing a food demo, but to develop the food right. demo is where it's right. very time consuming. And they think it's like, oh, it's like one hour of a food demo. And yeah. it's like, no, that's like a week's worth of, yeah. of, of actual work. Of, right. of, if you want it to be good and to, to help people learn the best way they can, like you actually have to put in good time yeah. into a one hour food demo. And so that's kind of where I was like, you know what, this is a huge gap. Dietitians, like these tribal organizations need access to a dietitian. Um, and I know a lot of them have grant money. Um, and so I was like, you know what, I'll set that up then. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take their money. <laughs> Just kidding. That's it. No, that's good. That you, you found a gap and you said, I'm going to take it. So yeah. Going. Yeah. And, and so I worked out my, my clinic schedule so that I had an extra, I did four tens and I did on my days off and on the weekends, I worked with community organizations, um, I was very adamant about making sure that it wasn't for my own Navajo community, just because there was a little bit of a conflict of interest. Um, so I did a lot of virtual things or for other tribal communities. And then I kind of got to a point last year in 2021, where I was like, I got to choose. <laughs> and I chose the one, the, the path that made me most happiest, mm-hmm. <laughs> most happy. So here I am. I'm I'm still less than a year of doing this full time, but I've I've connected with so many amazing organizations and amazing people. And I've, I've had awesome opportunities so far this year, even presenting for ADCES. Yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. I saw that on Instagram. I'm like, man, go you. <laughs> go oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> presenting for Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics even. Um, for, what was your presentation for- about? Um, for that one was, that one was about, um, just how to deliver nutrition education in native communities. Um, just cause people don't know it's, yeah. I would, I would mentor other dietitians on the res about how to talk with their own. If they're new to the community, it's, it's really hard to adjust. Cause not only do you have to like, um, tailor your interventions in a culturally appropriate way but you also have to learn the culture mm-hmm. and learn all of the the events that happen around food um to make sure that you're not um that you're honoring their their way of life um and i think that's really important so i would mentor people 
Um, and I was like, you know what, you know, I think we need to take this a little bit more nationally, you know, and start talking about it a little bit more because there aren't really any native dietitians who have that national platform. And that's kind of why I did the Instagram because I was like, well, you know, I'll figure out how to get famous on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) So that way I can like talk about it a little bit more nationally. And and that's great. That's great. That go-to resource. (laughs) I didn't know of any other way. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm a millennial here. (laughs) Instagram. I love it. Um, no, I really, really love it. I actually have not my I, I, I was telling this a uh, little bit about this um, before the interview. But yeah, I myself have not had any experience with a Native American population. So can you tell us a little bit about what that experience is like? And I guess what are some common things that you see? Um, even like, I would say, diagnose wise, like, what are some common, I guess, things that you see in, in your population? Yeah. So, so diagnosis wise, um, you know, we're, I always say like, we're the, with natives and I I call us natives for short, um, or indigenous, but I usually go back to natives. Um, we are like the poster children for all the chronic diseases out there. (laughs) And it's, it's definitely related to a lot of, um, social determinants of health, us okay. not having, you know, access to electricity, running water. Mm-hmm. Um, and how does that affect all of these diagnoses? And so the most common diagnosis I would see um, or uh, in my community or, or for referrals would be for diabetes related, um, diabetes related issues, um, but also, you know, malnutrition related to cancer was also a big one. Um, wow. even just malnutrition related in general. General, yeah. Um, yeah, most of the time yeah. it was related to cancer or in stage liver disease or cirrhosis. Okay. Um, so those were kind of the the top three things I would see. Um, definitely, there needed to be more. Um, uh, more work done on what else a dietitian can do because often the providers would just send over the diabetes because they would think, oh, nutrition, diabetes, it's the same thing, isn't it? Um, and I don't think they recognize that we can do MNT for all different diabetes, right. not right. just diabetes. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, and that's kind of what my work focused on um, at the hospital. So, but right now, as part of my company, I kind of work more on like, how do we talk about nutrition or teach nutrition in the clinical setting? So I have like workshops, like six, six hour workshops related to, to just native, wow. native nutrition, <laughs> like specifically awesome. it gives you like the full like background and history and um, why, why is it we eat the way we do right now? And a lot of it goes back to like history and our relationship with the government, um, the federal government and all of these other social determinants of health. So I give you like the native nutrition one class. Amazing. No, that's a lot of like, you're basically <laughs> having this like whole intersection of like nutrition. Like mm-hmm. these are the reasons why like history, politics, everything. Yep. This is the reason why we're here as a culture. Yeah. Wow. 
Yep. So, and, and, you know, I do specific examples with my tribe just because, you know, I'm Navajo and, and I don't want to seem like I'm speaking for all natives because every tribe has different, a different relationship with the government. I was Um, just going to ask about that. But we have some overlapping things um, too. So yeah, I mean, there's that aspect of, of my work. Um, So Um, Some of it is community work. The other work I do is I work specifically with hospitals and organizations focused on health equity. Um, So I work with hospitals. I have worked with universities this year, um, just how to about how to teach nutrition in Native communities. So it's it's a lot. I feel like I have hands and all the great work. Yeah, Yeah, but I, I really enjoy it because ultimately it's it's going to help improve the relationship the clinical relationship in the hospital with between providers and our patients and ultimately it's going to help our patients feel seen and feel heard um, Mm -hmm. and feel like they don't have to explain their culture every time they go see a provider which is what what happens now (laughs) you know and it's and even for me it's it's sometimes a little frustrating when I frustrating when I go in to see a provider and you know, I have to explain my whole culture before I even get to like yeah. the issue that's bothering me. Yeah, that has to be really frustrating. Yeah. So um I forgot what um you asked, but that was that was <laughs> okay, my we've had a really good conversation so far. Um but one thing that I was actually wondering too was um so a couple of things. So like the difference in tribes, like can you explain a little bit more about that? So the way that tribes work is that our, our tribes were, um, are defined, I guess, by location, um, and identity. So there are currently, there are 574 federally recognized tribes, um, in the U S. So each tribe has their own cultures and customs. Um, some may overlap just because like way back in the day, when the federal government was rounding us up, um, they kind of categorize different tribes differently, but you know, there's, we're, we're characterized by our language, pretty much our language. Um, so like Navajo have their own language. Um, and if you go like two hours South of here, there's Pueblo and they have their own language. So there's 574 distinct federally recognized tribes. Um, and you know, back during, um, during uh, first contact, there were definitely more tribes, but because of colonization, um, it kind of wiped out some tribes. So we've definitely lost tribes over the wow. over the centuries. Um, but with Navajo, which which is what I am, um, and and Navajo is actually a Spanish word, but our our actual um, tribal name is is Diné, and oh. um, our our people are the are considered the largest tribe um, in the United States, um, and then second after that is Cherokee, um, and so and then after that it just it just gets smaller and smaller. So, um, yeah, that's uh, so that's kind of how tribes work, and we're considered um, our own nations. Mm-hmm. So I guess you. I mean, I don't want to just for simplification, like yeah. sometimes you can call me like a dual citizen. <laughs> okay. 
but just to just to give you like an analogy for how it would work even though that's not actually how it works but so i as a tribal member i have something called a, a cib which is the certificate of indian blood quote unquote nice. <laughs> um, which kind of traces my lineage back to the original roles that okay. my ancestors were put on so i can say like okay this is where my this is how I define myself as Navajo, because when the federal government was counting all of us, my gotcha. ancestors were on that list. Um, and so every federally recognized tribal person has a CIB. Okay. And that's kind of how we're, our lineage is tracked as well. So that's like the more Western way of tracking our lineage. Um, we have our own like I was just gonna Navajo. ask him. But we have our own Navajo way of, yeah. of tracking our lineage, which is the oral traditions. Um, and we have our clans. So um that's uh that's kind of how I identify I I identify myself too is I have four distinct clans. Okay. Um and the first two I'm the first two is my mother's and my father's, and we track ourselves through the women so we're mat matrilineal um because so cool. our primary so cool. <laughs> yeah our, our primary yeah. clan is is the woman so that's how we identify ourselves and then the secondary clan is my the fathers so my primary clan in navajo is called nanish ajatachini um and that means the charcoal streak division of the red running into the water clan um and then my second clan is Maideshkijni, which is the Coyote Pass People Clan. So if I see any other like Navajos out there, um, you know, usually we when we introduce ourselves, we ask each other like, "Hey, what's your clan?" Okay. Yeah, just to see if we're related. So if I find anybody who is the same as my first clan, then they are automatically brothers or sisters, my siblings. So, um, so cool. And so that gives me gives me sibling rights <laughs> yeah, yeah sometimes when i find when i find people in the same clan as clan group as i am like i give them a hard time because <laughs> i'm like i can do this to you because you're my brother or my sister <laughs> that's pretty cool how many people are in your clan like from your mother's side i don't think that's tracked i don't know wow i don't know um yeah i just because it's an oral yeah it's a traditional knowledge it's indigenous knowledge um you know we we don't write things down when it comes to oral traditions and oral knowledge and traditional knowledge so the way i know my clans is you know my parents told me and my grandparents told gotcha. me this is your clan so i i i don't even know if there's that's an interesting thing is i wonder <laughs> somebody's ever tracked it <laughs> i know they have like if you google navajo clans uh -huh. um they have like the whole list of like all the navajo clans out there and there's like more than 60 clans at this point um but i'm not sure if like there was ever an attempt to like count how many are in each clan so, i know there's i know there's a guy out there who actually created an app that cool. enter in your clans and then if you and if another person has the same app, it can uh -huh. like you can kind of compare clans and then it tells you how you're related. That is really cool. <laughs> and so, like, we're getting more technologically savvy. Um, well, I haven't downloaded it yet, but I guess my yeah, question was released, released like a few weeks ago. Oh, that's really cool. Um, my question though is, I guess, because there's you said 574 
yeah uh different tribes right right that's been documented by the western way right so this is located all over the u.s so does that mean that they because there's different parts in the u.s different tribes eat in a completely different manner or is it yeah okay so yeah and and that's what i that's actually what i go through in my my workshops is like how are we defined um and so there's like they there's about nine basic regions like Mm -hmm. you know there's the southwest tribes there's the northwest tribes there's the um east coast tribes there's the southeast and the midwest Mm -hmm. um and and our and the tribes kind of some are similar some are not um but again the language is what differentiates them and the religion is what differentiates them or i I don't want to say religion but spiritual beliefs um is what differentiates them and so every every tribe is distinct um and and even like in my own tribe in navajo like there's even so much variety in our own tribe like from one side of the reservation, things can be diff- done differently than the other side of the reservation. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so it's definitely a niche, niche, um, niche knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, it, it's kind of hard. I, I don't even, I can't even imagine how you um, are able to educate because it is such a wide variety of um, information dependent on location, language, spiritual beliefs, uh, religious events, right. Or spiritual events. Um, I can imagine that it can be really difficult to kind of uh, figure out, I guess, how to educate a patient yeah. of that specific tribe. Yeah, yeah, and and that's I think what's important about my work is is that mm-hmm. talking to providers and talking to others about how do we deliver um, not just evidence based care but also. Um, um culturally appropriate care too you know with without you know doing more harm and and when it comes to our cultural foods you know we've we've always historically been told that our cultural foods are quote unquote bad um and that we need to limit them as much as possible and and part of my work is kind of um showing like no our cultural foods are good and and now there's kind of a there's a um i want to say like a renaissance of of eating cultural foods and people are proud of it now right so, I'm like, yeah, so yes i completely on that bandwagon yes and yes, like yes. as a dietitian yes these are foods that can nourish us um and so that's kind of where where i'm at now and that's what my instagram is all about is just kind of celebrating celebrating those cultural foods and making it known that this isn't something you have to be ashamed about, yeah. you know, for eating. Yeah. Um, what, because... what are some cultural foods that are popular for your, um, <laughs> I guess, tribe or for Native Americans in general? Um, so for my tribe, and and again, that's why I like to just focus back on my tribe, because I, I don't know anything about Northwest tribes. I don't know anything about Southeast yeah. tribes. I know like general stuff. Um, but I don't know, like all of these nuances and cultural customs. So for my tribe, I'm a Southwest tribe. So, um, a lot of the Southwest tribes, we, we grow corn and, and actually a lot of tribes they're they're, they grow corn as well. And they, they've developed their own strains over the thousands of years. Um, 
and so for Navajo, we have our own strains. And so we incorporate a lot of corn into our dishes. Um, and corn is also considered like a sacred food too. Wow. And so um, um, we have a lot of corn-based dishes. So something like uh, blue corn mush which is made from ground blue cornmeal. Um, and that's actually, you know, a lot of, a lot of indigenous foods are actually the basis for a lot of like regional national foods, like, you know, grits, <laughs> that's an indigenous food, but people yeah. just kind of associate it with the right. South, but it's like, right. that's actually, that was actually an indigenous food. <laughs> right. Right. Um, um, but for us, blue corn mush, it's called in Navajo is called toshchin. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and that one's made from ground blue cornmeal. And we add in uh, juniper tree ash. Um, and that actually increases the calcium content of wow. that food. It actually helps with the nixtamalization to release um, certain nutrients. Um, and so when I would counsel people and they would say, oh, it, it's a typical breakfast for people out here um, to have blue corn mush in the morning or white corn mush. And I would ask, like, do you add in the, the juniper ash? Um, because that kind of helps make sure that there's extra nutrition in there. And a lot of us natives are lactose intolerant. Um, mm. and so that's just a different calcium source for people. Wow. So, um, just things like that, like little nuances like that and understanding and, and, uh, about the different nutrient profiles of certain foods, um, other cultural foods, like in my tribe would be like sheep, um, or mutton, lamb, um, that's a, that's a really big, um, uh, indigenous, like food. And I, and I won't say it's indigenous because it was introduced right. by the Spanish in the 1500s, yeah. but since the 1500s, we've, we've really in, incorporated it into our own, our own traditions and our own, um, communities. I like how you intersect like the history of food with nutrition, because, yeah. you know, I think, you know, with cultures and just around the world, we have all these different meshes of food here in the United States, because obviously the the melting pot of cultures, but um, it's so interesting to hear, like, I guess how one, one culture influenced the other culture influenced the other culture. Um, I think that's just pretty fascinating. Yeah. And I I think it's, it's good to, I I think it's important to respect that because Mm -hmm. a lot of times people say like, um, and sometimes I do get flack for it on Instagram when I call certain foods cultural, like fry bread. Um, and people are like, that's not cultural food. And I'm like, well, it's part of our culture, right? <laughs> like you can consider, I'm like, it's, it's, not like, it's you know, hard. I mean, it's hard to be from trees and it's not yeah. an indigenous food, but there still is that historical connection and that yeah. cultural connection to food when we go home to our grandmas and our aunties and our uncles houses, there's always going to be a pile of fry bread right there, you know? So yeah, it's not an indigenous food. Um, It's not food like we went out and, you know, picked from the ground, but it is, you know, because of that history, there still is that cultural tie. And I think that's really important is, is what's often missed um, when we're talking about nutrition in native communities is understanding that history. And this is why, our communities eat this way. It's just not because of, you know, it just happened in isolation and in a silo. It's like, there's reasons why, why these foods exist in our communities um, and why they hold 
certain cultural significance. So I, I really like food history too. <laughs> that's just me. Yeah. I like, think that's I, such a I, cool I, um, thing that you provide because I don't think I've ever heard of a dietitian who provides a food history. So that's very niche and interesting. And I, I mean, that's, I feel like you should have like a whole blog based off of this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've been meaning to do more like um, history stuff on my Instagram, but there's like so many things I want to put so on my Instagram, things. but that's it's a life like one, one at a time, time, one at a time. <laughs> right, right, right. And so that's like do... an entrepreneur though. It's more so like, where do I dedicate my time um, over the next couple of days? Because, you know, you could literally be like, yeah, I could do this and I could do that and I could do this. And <laughs> it just becomes like never ending. Yeah, yeah. I I really like food history. Like, anytime I go on vacation, like, I always think like, is there a, a food factory anywhere I can nearby I can take a tour of? <laughs> I just really enjoy it. Like, it's, you know, when I went to Vermont, I went to Ben and Jerry's ice cream factory. That was so fun. <laughs> And then we went yeah, to like, we went to like a cheese farm, a dairy farm. That was fun for me, and so I, I really like like understanding like the how and why of certain foods, and yeah, yeah. getting yeah, into all cool. that. Really, really difficult um, for someone who who isn't uh, who isn't culturally aware or doesn't know the foods. Um, so I can imagine being, you know, a Native American dietitian and helping uh, patients as a patient. They'd probably feel so heard, so well understood, and probably feel so relieved, you know, to have somebody like you. Yeah, it's, it's a mixed bag. Um, you would assume that people would be would want okay. to be with me. Um, but when I, when I first became a dietitian, and I started working at the hospital, I had a really interesting conversation with one of my potential patients. Um, and they specifically asked if I was Navajo. And I said, yeah. And they said, well, I don't want a Navajo dietitian. <gasps> no way. Is there a white person there I can talk to? What? And so, and and you can definitely, there was a lot of internalized racism there, a lot of yeah. internalized colonization there. And, and so sometimes it's a mixed bag. Um, and you know, it's, it, it can be tough working for your community when you get that kind of pushback too, and for saying, sure. you know, like having, having to deal with some of, <laughs> some of that yeah, no, that's after really effects hard. of colonization. But, um, but I think that's why it's even more important to, to kind of be out there is because it's like, you know, us native <laughs> people are, are capable too. It's, it's interesting. I mean, and that was just like one instance that wasn't like, you know, the whole, my yeah. whole experience, but for the most part, people were very, um, very um, grateful that I, you know, we can talk about traditional foods and, mm -hmm. and not feel like they're feeling shame. There were definitely yeah. a lot of, a lot of really deep conversations I had with my own patients um, where, you know, they would, they would become pretty emotional talking about how um, important their cultural foods are to them to, yeah. to, if they got diagnosed with diabetes, it's still important for them to participate in certain food events. Yeah. Um, and whereas like their previous providers who, who weren't natives or weren't dietitians, they would tell them to stop eating that. And it, it was, 
it was emotionally and spiritually damaging for all of these people. And that's how we just continue this harm is just thinking right. that just because it doesn't look like a quote unquote Mediterranean diet or a Western healthy quote unquote diet or the dash diet right. doesn't mean that it's automatically bad for us. Right. Um, and that gets back to the evidence-based um, where, you know, it's hard for me to say sometimes that I'm evidence-based because there isn't much evidence on, on indigenous diets. You, you bring know? such a good point. And, like that's mind blowing. Yeah. It really is because yeah. I mean, where now I'm kind of like thinking like, where do these research studies come from and who are, what is the, the population that is being researched upon? Right. Is it yeah. right. right. And, and so, who, Whose evidence is it? And the evidence that nutrition, the current nutrition evidence is mostly, you know, white people yeah. <laughs> and, and there, and, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of different, you know, there's a backstory to why there may not be a lot of evidence too. And a, a lot of tribes kind of have this negative association to having research done in their communities, because in the past we've had, we were experimented on, we were sterilized, we were studied and, and, you know, right. and it was, it was really bad. So a lot of tribes have kind of set up, really difficult pathways for any research to be done in tribal communities just because of that history. And again, going back to history. Right. right. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, for me, it's like when I say evidence-based sometimes, you know, um, I do have to acknowledge that, you know, there, there just isn't enough evidence. And so I, that's when I have to use my own lived experiences of working on the reservation to inform how, how um, I, I deliver nutrition education in my communities um, that also respects, you know, our, our history and our heritage and our cultural beliefs and our spiritual beliefs and our, right. um, so that's kind of like the difficult position I'm in sometimes too, because, you know, the, the doctor would want me to talk about the DASH diet or becoming vegetarian right, <laughs> because it's right. quote unquote evidence-based and it's like, <laughs> Are you not understanding like whose evidence this is based on? Like, you know, I'm not going to be telling grandma to go eat hummus. Like that's not yeah. really. Yeah. <laughs> or, or like fish, if fish is taboo in your tribe, which it is for my tribe. Yeah. Um, definitely can't put them on a Mediterranean diet. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like all these little like niche things. And that's why it's like, if, if I were to go be a dietitian in another tribal community, it, it's, that would be a culture shock for me too, because I know nothing about that tribe. I know yeah. nothing about the culture. Um, we may have a little bit of similarities about like, you know, our relationship to food and our relationship to agriculture, but past that, like, I don't know any of those nuances. And that's kind of what my goal is, is to, is to, to have that representation out there. Like indigenous can, people can be dietitians too. Yeah. And there needs to be more of us because right now, you know, there's over like a hundred thousand dietitians in the United States, mm -hmm. less than half of a percent identify as indigenous. Mm-hmm. And compare that to like the general demographics, about 3% of, of people in the U.S. identify as indigenous. So it's like, can we just at least increase it to like the 3%, you yeah. know, so that actually like the national statistics. So 
Um, because yeah, I know, I know a lot about Navajo food relationship and beliefs and all of this other stuff and customs and, um, and taboos, but I don't know. I don't know anything about other tribes. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's actually the reason why, um, I designed dietitian airway was actually the, with the customer in mind, because I truly think that someone who is speaking to somebody, a, a provider, a dietitian in their own language, or who knows and understands their culture or who knows the food. And of course, this isn't going to be, you know, 10 times out of 10 times, that's going to be possible for the patient to speak to somebody who speaks your language or uh, the native language, right? But that's the whole reason why I came up with dietitian way, because I'm like, you know, there has to be an easier way for someone to be able to kind of look for the dietitian that they want to work with, right? Um, and specifically, like if there are more dietitians out there who are from different native tribes or who are from different cultures, that they can go and search for the dietitian who they feel more comfortable with. Because how many times have I counseled patients um, who, you know, speak Spanish? And when they get on the phone and they realize they're talking to somebody who speaks Spanish, they're like, I feel so mm -hmm. much better. Like I can communicate so much clearer and you're going to understand what kind of foods, you know, I eat. Right. So I think that's so important, right. For patients to be able to speak to providers like you, like me, who understand the culture, who can speak the language. Um, and you're right. There needs to be more dietitians like you, right. With different tribes as well, so that we can actually push forward in those specific tribes as well and help the communities in those specific tribes. Um, super, super, super important. Yeah. Yeah, it's really important. And, you know, going back to evidence bases, like the evidence says when when a patient or a client identifies better with the provider, like it's more productive, <laughs> you know, yep. and, and the care or the patient outcomes are improved. And the patient satisfaction score improves yep. um, because they feel heard, they feel understood you know, they don't feel like a number. And a lot of our, our patients in my community, they feel like numbers. And so why would they want to go seek healthcare where they're just treated like a number? Yeah. And that's why a lot of our patients just don't want to come to the hospital. Um, so, but I, I, also, I think there's, there needs to be a better understanding of how to deliver mm -hmm. nutrition in, in my own community and native communities. Yeah. I agree. So uh, tell us a little bit about what are you doing currently for tumbleweed nutrition? Oh man, <laughs> that's a long list. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing for, for tumbleweed nutrition. <laughs> I love the honesty. Um, <laughs> so my top three services um, that I focus in on, like I said, I want to work with tribal organizations or I am, no, I want to, but I am, but, um, the, the top three things that I do are presentations. Okay. Um, uh, I do like one hour presentations or I do those workshops or I also do motivational interviewing training. Um, and, uh, and then I do food demos and cooking classes. Um, and then when I work with tribally owned farms, I do recipe development for them. So if they have, um, a certain product that they want to showcase, then they, um, they ask me if I can develop a recipe for them, um, featuring their products. So like I said, many different things, <laughs> but okay. those are kind of like my top four is presentations, food demos, cooking classes, and recipe development. Um, 
I've done other work with like uh, other local schools, um, charter schools to help them with their menus. Um, uh, I do like recipe analysis as well or nutrient analysis. So pretty much I'm like the, the go-to dietitian for all the things. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. And I mean, honestly, that's, I love um, dietitians because I feel like we are multifaceted, super talented and yeah. our career and profession allows us to educate in so many different platforms and formats. Yeah. Right. That's so, what I really, that's what I really enjoy about it. It's like, well, what do I want to work on today? What, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and getting into entrepreneurship, that's, that's a whole different, you know, thing, marketing and strategy. And that's something I've been learning on a fast a learning curve this year, but I, I mean, that's, I enjoy it. I mean, that's, that's what, why I wanted to get out of the hospitals because I wanted to grow in, in different ways and new ways and kind of um, not to toot my own horn, but trailblaze this <laughs> nutrition path so that hopefully other native dietitians can um, develop their own companies for their own communities because, yeah. you know, we need, we need more of that. Um, yeah, maybe yeah. you could be like the mentor for for upcoming dietitians. Yeah, and I, and I'm I'm Tribal working on, on that, mm -hmm. and that's kind of some other behind the scenes stuff I'm doing too nice. is is building up a networking group, um, because a lot of the native dietitians, because we're located on reservations, it can be very feel very isolating. Yeah, um, because you know, it's. Um, we're just stuck in our own thing <laughs> in yeah. tribal communities. It's yeah. hard to like see what, what else is going on um, outside of the reservation. So, um, but that's also other behind the scenes too stuff too. Um, I'm hoping next year or maybe the year after that, I'll start accepting interns to help nice. get community hours for them if they want, um, or possibly working with other organizations to kind of do a, a path from them to me to help them get their hours done. So nice. A lot of different that's things. That's good, more of like behind the scenes. Yeah. That's a great <laughs> like on, on the surface, on the face, it's, you know, presentations, cooking classes, food demos. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love it. Um, so let's go and look at your profile here on Dietitian Your Way. Uh, love your logo. Love the color. It actually matches my. <laughs> My color too, actually. <laughs> tumbleweed nutrition. Ooh, I love this. It's basically a tumbleweed. Yeah. I actually looked at this and I was like, that's cute. But now I'm looking at it further. I'm like, oh, it's a tumbleweed. <laughs> Very cute. Yeah. Yeah. I, I called my people are always like, why did why did you call yourself tumbleweed? And I'm like, well, you know, on the res, on my res, on the Navajo reservation, there's a lot of tumbleweeds. So I was like, it reminds me of home. <laughs> Yeah, But now I've come to um, the story of, you know, how tumbleweeds wander and I'm like the wandering dietitian. Yeah. <laughs> Not affiliated with any, any organization <laughs> except my own. I think, so I, I think we'll go with that one. And I roll out. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. No, this is great. Um, very, very cool. Okay. So I see here you have a product. Um, I was looking at this earlier. And uh, tell us a little bit about these discussion cards for dietitians. Yeah, I um, so I developed these discussion cards for dietitians for for dietitians specifically working in tribal communities. 
Um, just because, like I said, it's it's a very niche thing to learn is how to how to deliver inclusive care in Native communities. Yeah. So sometimes you know, new dietitians, they don't know where to start. They don't know how to start the conversation and, and they don't, um, um, how they don't know how to address certain things that certain nutrition challenges that occur on the reservation. So for example, like if somebody doesn't have electricity or running water, um, there's kind of like a discussion card. Um, and on the backside, it has all the different things you could possibly talk about, when somebody says they don't have um, electricity or running water, or they want to incorporate more tribal foods. Um, and so it kind of gives like the dietitian cues for what to talk about. So it's not <clears throat> saying like you have to talk about this, but it just gives people ideas. So this discussion card is meant to be like placed in front of patients. So if a patient comes in or a client comes in and they say, I don't know what to talk about. My doctor just sent me here. <laughs> then, um, then the dietitian can bring out these cards and say, Oh, oh I, have, cute. I have, which topic do you want to talk about? Because for native communities, we're very much visual learners. Um, and we want to see, like see things like tangible things and, and to help us identify or navigate these conversations. So that's kind of what my idea was. And, and I've used this with my own patients. So this was actually born out of like, the clinical setting that I used for my own patients nice. um, just because it helps, it helps um, provide that safety for patients too, um, to know that they just didn't get referred just to talk about their diabetes or their blood sugar or their um, blood labs. Like there's all these different things we can talk about. So it kind of provides that safety for patients too. Um, and again, to it choose and be involved in the conversation rather than, you know, right. what we, what we typically do, which is, you know, here's the education. <laughs> and we'll here's what you're supposed to be doing and yeah. you're doing it all wrong. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> Why aren't you eating enough vegetables? Right, 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 right. And that's what patients expect us to do is, is to be the food police. Right. Um, and to just kind of tell you all of these like general guidelines, <laughs> you know, yeah. but you know, this has I, 16 different topics so um, again, it provides that safety and it also provides that menu of options, which is very much reflects trauma-informed care is you want to provide safety um, and you want to provide options, just telling them these are all the different things you can do to help improve your health. Which one do you want to focus on? Instead of just saying like, I know the best for you. This is what you need to do. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of, it kind of makes it more, my hope is, my goal is these discussion cards are kind of a way to help the dietitian and patient become more collaborative yes, um, and to um, focus in on certain goals that the patient have the patient drive the, the right. discussion right. essentially. Um, so that's, that's what I developed this year too. And I sell that on my website as well. Um, and, uh, and I'm doing a few workshops on how to use it in the future um, cause okay. the feedback I've gotten was like, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I'm like, I thought I explained it, but I'm thinking yeah. a would be, would, would help it help people. I think so you know? too. Yeah. I mean, I, if I was a native, if I was, if my population was native Americans, I would definitely buy these. Um, because I think I, I probably wouldn't know where to begin. Um, and also, like you said, provide some safeness as well to the, to the patient, uh, let them know this is a safe space, which is pretty important, especially yeah. if you're not talking to somebody who 
doesn't look like them and you know right yeah right um so right now it's this is this is a digital download um in the future i may consider like making like actual physical products but i'm i'm kind of um right now i'm just seeing getting feedback on how it works in in the real world yeah. for dietitians and that's kind of what the phase i'm in now is is how is it working for for real life dietitians working in native communities. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is all really great. I think you're doing such great work in the community and the Native American community. Um, and I'm so glad that I was able to talk to you for this time because I honestly didn't even know where to begin with Native American nutrition um, at all. I was just kind of like, huh, this is going to be an educational session for myself as well. Yeah. 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 And that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Education. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, dietitians are listening in and if they need help to reach out to you um, and reach out to and, and buy the, your cards as well. Yeah. Um, anything else you kind of wanted to tell us about tumbleweed nutrition or about yourself? Um, I think we covered a lot of a lot of um, intense stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think we yeah. covered a lot. Um but I, I appreciate your support and I appreciate everybody in, in my own community support. I've, I've gotten a lot of dietitian support and feedback about what I'm doing. And, and I think it's, it's great. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, um, well, not talk to you, but ask you, what are some of your favorite foods or your favorite dish? So I know I'm always like, um, I know I'm harsh towards hummus, like <laughs> on a <public laughs> profile, but I love hummus. <laughs> Any kind of specific hummus, like hummus from a restaurant, hummus from from like a grocery store, hummus that you make at home. Um, I kind of I I like hummus from there's a there's a Mediterranean restaurant in in Gallup, New Mexico that's really good. It's like the best hummus I've ever had, and I I really like hummus. Um. <laughs> It's, it's really smooth. And if there's like extra tahini in there, oh, it's really good stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm always making fun of it on my Instagram. But it's just because so I have funny. a love-hate love, 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 relationship with it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, um, and then as far as like tribal foods, like I like fry bread. I like mutton sandwiches. Um, what is mutton? I meant to ask you that earlier. Uh, sheep. It's, okay. Yeah, it's just sheep. And so. it's a sandwich and then anything else inside of it? Uh, they usually do like onions or green chili um, wrapped in a fry bread. Um, I think it's pretty tasty. It's it's it sounds tasty. It's pretty intense, but you in know, what way? Like, is it spicy or is it very like spiced? Uh, no, it's so with Navajo and, and many native communities, our, our cooking is very, um, doesn't have a lot of seasonings or spice. Oh, like I didn't only, know that. Yeah. Usually the only seasonings is like salt, maybe, maybe pepper. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. A lot of, a lot of people in my community, they don't know how to use like spices or seasonings. 
Um, which is funny because in like the Navajo community, everybody likes loves Chinese food or Asian yeah. food, and I'm like, that is the most seasoned food ever. <laughs> so you guys don't even know, and they're like, I don't like spices in my food. I'm like, but you like Chinese food. I don't. Yeah, understand. that's so funny. That's really <laughs> but the, and and a lot of people they just don't know how to use seasonings or spices in their in their food. It's a skill set. Yeah, like you know we don't. You know, we're just trying to survive here. We don't need yeah, spices yeah. to make our food tastier. Um, but yeah, um, but I, I like it's hard for me to choose different foods because I like a lot of different foods. Like yeah. I love pizza, like a brick oven pizza that's like charry on the edges. Yeah. Like Thank you so much for hopping on with me to have a discussion. I hope this is going to be some really great education for all the dietitians out there especially those dietitians who are um, talking to Native American populations. I think this would be such a great resource. And um, what is your advice for aspiring dietitians? Um, my advice for aspiring dietitians is to keep on persisting. <laughs> um, and that's, that's what I've learned over the years is if it's something you are really passionate about and you just, you know, like, helping people feel good about themselves and feel good about their relationship with food and um just just keep going um you know and uh don't give up don't give up all right nice all right well thank you so much dini i appreciate you hopping on with me to have a conversation about tumbleweed nutrition and about your path on uh, being a dietitian um, for everybody who's watching YouTube, um, please like and subscribe. And for those listening on the podcast, subscribe as well. <laughs> and that will be it. Thank you. Thanks.